She wasn't educated enough to know that there were risks with this patient's skin type. Yeah, that, that, it's heartbreaking. Fitzpatrick is a scale that we use in the industry and it's based on skin color, skin type. You can have devices that are approved for a certain skin type and the settings are incorrect, then you may have this adverse result. And she was like, are you comfortable treating somebody that looks like me? And it really makes you stop and think because it took us a minute to get it, but, it. but yeah, and thank well, you, it's Sierra. Us. I mean, it's how it, I it think, is. Us. I think it it's is. how it's how we live our life. Hi, and welcome to Beauty and the Brain, the podcast where we discuss all things aesthetics. I'm your co-host, Dr. Chris Crowley. And I'm Jerry Drinker, family nurse practitioner. And together, Chris and I own Skin and Tonic Med Spa that's located in Pace, Florida. We're joined today by Allie Blue, who is a nurse practitioner that works with us at the clinic. And we're so happy to have you. Glad to be back. Allie, for you guys, you all know she's one of our regulars. Uh, we love her. She's been at the clinic now for a few years with us and uh, really happy to have her join us today for a topic that is really something that I don't think it's focused on enough. And this is, you know, the, the title is uh, treating uh, skin of color. And I don't think people really know exactly what that means. And so we're going to talk about that a lot today and how that applies to different device treatments, laser treatments, chemical peels, and how we have to vary these things. So I just want to start, maybe Jerry, you can uh, talk a little bit about a Fitzpatrick scoring system. And so that's a scoring system that we use really to classify patients when they come into the clinic. Fitzpatrick is a scale that we use in the industry and it's based on skin color, skin type. And with a, a Pale redhead being a, a Fitzpatrick one, and it goes right on up um, with, a, you know, the higher the number, the darker the skin. And so once we start getting into the Fitzpatrick threes, fours, and fives, then we really have to focus on treating those patients a lot differently than we would a one or a two. I know when I first started in the um, in aesthetics, this has been 15 years ago, that I, I didn't realize that. Like I was just under the impression, I thought like darker skin was even tough maybe that you could treat it more aggressively than you could other skin types. And it's quite the opposite actually. Yeah, so I mean, I, yeah, I don't know that I um, also fully appreciated that when we first um, started our aesthetic career. And so again, just, you know, kind of, um, to put it in perspective, if we looked at, it's not just your skin color, but it's your response to sun, how easily you tan, how easily you freckle. And typically the lighter you are, the more easily you burn, the lighter color eyes, lighter color hair, the less likely you are to scar. And so when we look at this scoring system, um, I, I don't think a lot of people realize it, but even myself, I would be scored as a Fitzpatrick three. Mm -hmm. So even though I'm Caucasian descent, I would still be a three. And um, in fact, with some of the device treatments in the past have had pigment problems. So Allie, do you assess a Fitzpatrick on everybody that comes in? Every single person that comes into the office gets a Fitzpatrick scoring on their intake paperwork. Um, and I wanna mention, you know, something, it's even in our intake paperwork, a, a class that we went to recently um, in Dallas, I went to a presentation about treating skin of color. And it really opened my mind up because, you know, you talk about burning and thinking, you know, oh, it's safe because 
on the Fitzpatrick scale, the wording that's used is a Fitzpatrick six, which is the darkest skin type, says never burns. And that's not true. Anybody, a Fitzpatrick six can stay out in the sun long enough to burn, even though you may not visibly see a reddening of the skin because of the pigment and the melanin in the skin, they're burning their skin. And so I think that's another big thing to where, you know, Ivan, you know, doing the intake paperwork when I first started, you know, it never burns. I just was like, okay, well then that's gonna be safer for me to treat with heat products, laser products, whatever. And that's, I think, where a lot of people get kind of confused. And another thing when we ask these questions and talk about these treatments that I think, um, you know, people are really pretty good now about sunscreen, sun protection. And so the other thing that we assess when they come in is also their ethnic background, right? Because we could have someone of um, an Asian descent, but they may be really light skin because they have actually taken um, really great care of sun protection and they stay out of the sun and wear sunscreen. Uh, but when you treat those, do you still treat them like the skin color they are or like their ethnic background would They're predict? still scored at a four, the Fitzpatrick four for me. So ethnic background, ethnic origin is very important in treating all of these patients. So, you know, sometimes it can be um, an awkward question to ask, but it's very upfront and you want to make sure, you know, if you're a provider listening, that your clients know that you're taking their safety first and foremost, and that you're not taking for granted their ethnic origin and could potentially harm their skin because you're treating them too aggressively. I think it's important um, questions. We have like a, a family of that are Brazilian and we treat literally there are five of them that come in and they're all different skin type or different skin tones. But um, you know, they all obviously their full siblings have same ethnicity. But if you just took one of the siblings and isolated her, like she appears a lighter skin tone than I do where the brother appears like you know, if it's four or five. And so I think that those questions um, are extremely important and I think it makes our patients really appreciate that we're going that extra mile for their protection. Yeah, and I think, you know, kind of uh, to drive the importance of this home, one of the, the most significant pigment issues I've had to personally deal with after a treatment was on one of my really good friends. She's one of my best friends, actually, for many, many years. And Mira, if you're listening, this is a, a shout out to you about your personal story. But um, we all try when we have people, friends, family that um, may travel, or patients even, that travel to see us um, from a, a distance. We try to pack as much as we can into a, a treatment because we know they're not close by and we may not get, get to see them a lot. And we want to do something nice. And so Mira um, is, is just naturally beautiful but she's of korean descent great uh, care of her takes great care of her skin and and uses a lot of sun protection but i wanted to do something nice and we were going to do an uh, ipl for her she really uh, probably didn't even need it she had a little bit of pigment stuff i was like oh you'll do great let's just do it while you're here and we we're a little more aggressive with it than um i normally would have been because she was visiting and um you know Unfortunately, she ended up with some hyperpigmentation kind of up in her forehead around the, the hairline that did get better over time. And fortunately, she was one of my best friends. And so she was, uh, you know, in, incredibly um, gracious and, and kind as we went through that process and the pigment did resolve. But it, it was really a big lesson to me. This is before we had some of the newer devices we have now that are safe for all skin types. This was one of our original devices and it really drove that point home of how careful we have to be with people that are prone to be um, a darker skin type. 
So speaking of horror stories real quick, I did want to show you guys um, this video of this poor, poor girl um, on TikTok. So, and we'll clip the video for you guys. Hey everyone, look at my face. It's devastating, right? I want to inform everyone about the risk of a BBL broadband laser facial. Uh, I recently went in to see my esthetician and was told that this would be perfect for my skin. No risk, no scarring, no downtime, just a little bit of swelling. Unfortunately, after my service, I went into shock, had to be sent to the ER, and now have first and second degree burns. This service is not for melanated skin, not for pigmented skin, and at this point, shouldn't even be offered to people with brown skin. Once again, please people, look at the risk. Don't allow them to tell you it's for our skin or that it won't leave scarring or that it's gonna be okay. I had to go to the emergency room and my body went into shock. I could have died on the table over a facial. I am traumatized about this whole situation. And I pray that this gets out there to someone out there that they check the, uh, Google it, look up the risk. So they showed her photo as an example in the class that we went to in Dallas. And um, one of the presenters actually does have contact with her and she's still hypopigmented to this day. Yeah, hypopigmentation, once the pigment is gone, mm -hmm. is much more difficult to treat than right. hyperpigmentation if it gets dark and we just need to lighten it. And so, yeah, that, that's um, you know an awful horror story. It's heartbreaking um, for sure. Uh, she mentioned Google, so we all have the, this information at our fingertips. It sounds like she asked her provider. Um, so unfortunately that provider, you know, told her it was approved. So you can have devices that are approved for a certain skin type and if the settings are incorrect, then you may have this adverse um, result. You know, we know that for some of our devices, for our Fitzpatrick four, five, and six, we have to really dial down the settings. Right. And so although the device is approved, we could misuse the device and have a bad result. That's kind of what I feel like happened with this one. She felt confident in saying what she said and maybe she thought she was being honest with her patient, but she wasn't educated enough to know that there were risks with this patient's skin type. Yeah, and you guys um, also feel free to um, go watch us over on YouTube. You'll get to see that entire video. It's posted on our YouTube channel. In addition to that, um, at the end of this, I'll also share one of my laser treatments where I had a significant burn. This was not at our practice. Um, I actually decided to go and get a treatment somewhere. And that was where the machine was approved for my skin type, but the settings were probably not um, correct. And um, I did have pigment issues. Fortunately, we have other things and I've been able to you know, recover from mine um, over time. But it's a really good example of what can go wrong with lasers. So not only do you wanna know about the device that they're treating you with, what it's approved for, but also that provider's experience with treating um, any kind of skin with pigment, skin of color, um, don't be afraid to ask those questions. And if they're, you know, it's nothing wrong if they're not educated in that area, but maybe find another provider um, or know what training that provider is gonna get before they perform the treatment on you.
thanks for, for sharing that. Yeah. Uh, so Allie, what did you, what did you really, um, why don't you talk to us some about this class you took in Dallas and tell us some of the big high points of that. So some big high points of that were, you know, treatments that are safe and then treatments that you have to be very, very careful with. Um, low and slow is the way to go with any Fitzpatrick four through six. There are some treatments that just aren't safe to do um, on those higher Fitzpatricks. Like I would probably never do an IPL on a five or a six, um, which thankfully we have our Indiag laser, the Aerolace Neo is safe for all skin types, which we use similarly to what you would use IPL for. But it just, it really, it, it was heartbreaking in that class. Like me and Sierra were sitting there together and I had like tears welling up in my eyes at the permanent damage that can be done to people with darker skin tones. Um, and so I, it makes me, you know, scared for them that there you don't vet providers and that somebody is going to damage their skin to the point where you can't fix it. You can fix a lot of things, but there have been some horror stories and I think it's very important as providers for us to educate ourselves so that, or if you don't feel comfortable treating a client of that Fitzpatrick because of your lack of training or education, refer out. Yeah. Refer to somebody that you know has experience with that patient population, has the education on that patient population, has devices that are safe for that patient population. Don't treat somebody with an IPL because they request it, even though you know it's not really safe for that skin type, refer out to somebody who has a different type of device that is safe for skin types. So I think that was a big takeaway, um, you know, how to talk to people about, you know, their, um, their sun protection too. Um, and then, you know, some protocols that may differ um, between lighter skin tones and darker skin tones. So for example, um, something that we like to use to treat with like melasma or hyperpigmentations of the skin is like a hydroquinone cream. And so, you know, you never want to go above a 4% with the hydroquinone cream, um, which is a cream that um, helps to block melanocytes and can help to lighten the appearance of dark spots on the face or anywhere. When you have them on that, usually we say for lighter skin tones, you know, you can do three months on, three months off. Well, for darker skin tones, they really stress the importance of having a six-month break between periods of using um, that medication on the face. So. Those are some big ones so Jerry, for me. Um, with the, Ali uh, mentioned that uh, using a device that's approved for those areas. So um, why don't you, if you don't mind, elaborate a little bit about the devices and how we choose which ones to bring into our practice. Yeah, well, I, th I think when we're talking about changing um, and scarring patients that we have to not only take into consideration hyperpigmentation, but hypopigmentation, mm -hmm. especially in this population. And a lot of people don't even know about that. And so carefully choosing your device, the way that you're treating it, you're spot on is about going slow and going low. With all of my patients, I have a pretty big Peruvian population that comes in. We do a lot of test spots. We test behind the ear with some of these lasers. Um, we do the same thing with chemical pills. And so, um, and then some of the patients, like you said, they're just not candidates for it. So um, we use the Airlace Neo, which we've loved for years in our practice. And it's, it's phenomenal laser. It's safe for most skin types for treatment of, of an array of things. Another treatment that's very safe that we use a lot is the VI pill. It's a combination chemical pill. Um, and so we do those things for patients. We start them on, you know, good cosmeceuticals that um, can help to alleviate some of the problems. And so I think that the, your proper assessment education and letting these patients know that most of the time it's going to be a process and they just have to trust you through it. 
Yeah, I mean, I think that's true. And then again, on the devices that we choose, we try to make sure that we get devices that are approved for all skin types, even lighter skin types that are getting a lot of sun exposure. We live in Florida on the coast, so it's really important that we can use them year-round. Um, but more importantly than that, we know that there are safety protocols and ways that we can use devices in a safer manner on all skin types. So we train extensively on that. So I certainly don't, um, you know, I, I feel a little bit bad saying this, but I, think, I know Allie knows me well, so she'll take it the right way. Um, but I don't mean it to sound like fatherly in any way. She's a, she's a professional and um, independent in her own right, but I'm really proud to see how she has developed her career and her training in aesthetics. She's really um, taken an interest in some of these energy-based devices and um, educated herself. And it's really nice to see her grow in that. And so, um, you know, like I said, I don't mean to sound like a father figure no. when I do that, but I'm, I'm really proud to see that because- We'll call you daddy. No, don't call me daddy. No, no, no. But it, it, it is- it's, This is another episode of it's Call another Chris Daddy. That's another episode, another episode. But it, it, you really have. And so it, it's nice to see because, um, you know, these are things that um, we learn. We took classes on, but we also learned a little bit from the School of Hard Knocks. We had some problems along the way. 13 years ago, we had a CO2 laser. And I mean, we had to deal with a, a variety of complications with that device. And so we've been smarter about the devices that we bring into the practice. We've been better about training. We have had... Um, a few complications here and there. Like if you do enough procedures, you're gonna have it. But we've got much better at dealing with them. And like I said, I really feel that we have an asset by having somebody in the practice that, that really understands these devices besides just the two of us. So we know that uh, you know if we're not around or we leave that the patients are well taken care of. So uh, in addition to the laser devices, what are the things that, that we really um, can offer to all of our patients in the practice? not just our lighter skin type patients. Yeah, so a lot of treatments are safe for all skin types. That's gonna be really any injectable that mm -hmm. we do, certainly any of our facials that our lovely esthetician provides. Um, even like Jerry was saying earlier, the VI peel can yield very good results, even for some of those pigmentation issues. Um, Aerolase Neolaser, as we've harped on, is safe for every skin type. And laser hair removal, and like Jerry was saying earlier, you know, we can do some test spot treatments, you know, in very concealable areas to make sure, you know, that nothing's too high and isn't going to hyper pigmate you know one of the, the things that we we didn't haven't really touched on and especially in the um these fits threes through five threes through sixes is um keloid risk you know that is something to take into consideration and we've seen fortunately we haven't had any of these problems but we've seen the aftermath of some of these chemical pills over the years that have just caused tremendous amounts of scarring. And so you just have to take all of that into consideration when you're treating because they, they come through our door to be better. And the last thing we ever want to do is to send them out worse than they came in. And so, um, so I think that education, 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 the, um, we're seeing one of the most educated population of patients that we've ever seen because so many people go to like these social media platforms for their, um, you know, recommendations or reviews or whatever of, of different products. And so it's really nice to have patients come in now and they'll actually ask you, you know, is this going to be safe for my skin type? And we never saw that, you know, no. even 10 years ago, people, patients didn't ask us that. I was 
planning to take the class, but one of the things that inspired me to make sure that I was there when the doors opened for that class was one of my patients. She came in actually for a sexual health procedure and she asked me, we were talking about other treatments available at the practice as well during the consultation and everything. And she was like, are you comfortable treating somebody that looks like me? And it really makes you stop and think because we do treat, like you were saying, a wide variety of Fitzpatrick scores, ethnicities, people from different backgrounds and cultures. But to be quite honest, we don't treat a heavy population of Fitzpatrick sixes. And that really made me want to educate myself more and do more for my clients because I want to be the best that I can be and know that I can 100% say, yes, this is safe or no, this is not safe or we're going to do a test spot or what we need to do in the process to make sure that she feels good about me and I feel good about treating her and giving her the best result and most importantly, a safe result that's not gonna leave her with a scar for the rest of her life or a hyperpigmentation or a keloid or you know something that God forbid we couldn't fix. Mm -hmm. Which I think post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation is something that we may need to touch on um, if either of you want to talk about that. Um, or you'll hear a lot of people call it PIH, and I think it's something that gets thrown around a lot, but that clients don't know exactly what that is or who's at risk for it or what it means or is it treatable. Talking about PIH, it's, um, it's a... a a school of thought, Dr. Davin Lim in Australia, he feels like when you treat some of these um, Fitzpatrick's aggressively, that's just part of the healing process is the the post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation. So that's where our, our, as far as us being clinicians comes into play to educate our patients and then to keep that post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation down as much as we can during the healing process. But I do think that when patients are prepared ahead of time and they know that that's part of it, then the the level of comfort afterwards and and the comfort and the care that they're going to receive is much greater than if you know once they they're done and they see the pigmentation issues and we're like oh well this was just part of it but if we prepare them for that then they're more likely to accept it yeah and I, I mean I think that's important that uh, the listeners know that we're not aiming for that but in some treatments to get, if it's a significant acne scarring, for instance, and we're gonna to have to be rather aggressive with some of the treatments, then we, we're gonna do everything we can to minimize this inflammatory process and to mitigate those risks. Um, but that also we can treat PIH. That, right. that there are, we do have devices and ways to treat it. So I think that's a really good point um, to make. Is that what you were looking for, yeah. Allie? Yeah. And you can get PIH, I think, when we talk about post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation, um, a lot of our patients will know what this is because they're gonna remember having an inflamed spot from acne that maybe they squeeze too aggressively. So we say, don't squeeze it, don't pop that pimple because when you do those things, it gets really inflamed and then you end up with a dark spot there that lasts for a long time. And, and so that's you know one of the things that we can recognize from doing it individually, but also we can see with our aggressive laser treatments. Yeah, thanks for those tips, and I hope you guys have learned a lot uh, throughout this podcast. Um, one of the things that really is um, truly reflective of Jerry and uh, myself at our core is included in our um, mission, vision, and value statement. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't think about it a lot, but we have a business plan, and in that has a mission, vision, and value statement, and it really um, is what 
we stand for at our core and it is what we want represented in our business. And part of that value statement, I'm just gonna read it. It says, at Skin and Tonic, our values are at the core of everything we do. We're committed to number one, safety, number two, education, number three, honesty, number four, integrity, and number five, a culturally diverse practice. So we picked five things. And in that top five, we picked a culturally diverse practice. And we expanded on that a little bit and said, we're committed to providing a welcoming and inclusive environment for all of our clients, regardless of their background or ethnicity. We celebrate diversity and we believe that it enriches our practice. And that is truly reflective of Jerry and I at our core beliefs. And I know everybody that works with us, Allie, Sierra, Lindsay, and so not only do we want everyone to be comfortable, we want to be educated and able to provide safe treatments for everybody that walks through our doors. Yeah, I love our mission statement. Yeah, well, we, it took us a minute to get it, but, it. but yeah, and thank well, you, Sierra. Well, it's us, I mean, it's how, it, <laughs> it I think, is us. I think it it's, is. How, it's how we live our life. Mm -hmm. So we've talked about a lot of things in this uh, episode. So Jerry, um, I think that all of us should give tips to providers and patients before we go, so we'll start with you. Um, I think one of my tips to patient would be to be sure and provider would be to be certain to follow the um, pre-treatment protocols because a lot of times those um, it may be viewed as something that's not important but it, oftentimes we'll put them on a treatment plan to lighten skin prior to some of these treatments and that does um, go into play to help to minimize any hypopigmentation, hyperpigmentation, and to optimize results. And I also think that um, post-care treatment is, is equally as important as if not as important as the treatment itself because um, inappropriate post-care can actually cause a really good treatment to go south. So be sure to follow the instruction provided to you by, by your healthcare provider, your um, esthetician or physician or nurse practitioner and because everything we're doing is trying to make a better you. For me, I think one of the things right now, peptides are a hot topic. Lots of people are on peptides for a million reasons from weight loss to improved muscle growth, uh, increased sexual performance. But one of the things that we know is out there and people are using a lot is one for tanning. And so they're using the uh, melanotan to make their skin darker. And so you really need to be aware if your patient is on this because it can, and if you're a provider, you need to be aware. If you're a patient, you need to be aware to tell your provider mm -hmm. because it changes the way that your melanocytes are secreting melanin, which is gonna make you respond differently to a lot of these energy-based uh, treatments that you can re receive, as well as some of the, the topicals, the chemical peels and stuff. So you really need to share that with them. And I think my tip would be for providers, anytime you're treating a patient, um, make sure and ask the question about self-tanner. Self-tanner is big, especially as we discourage tanning beds and tanning in the sun um, to prevent skin cancer and have healthier, youthful skin. Um, a lot of people, myself included, use a lot of self-tanner to be darker. And so whenever you're treating somebody that is using a self-tanning product, um, you do have to treat them at the Fitzpatrick they currently are because of the self-tanner not what they are normally. So if somebody is normally a Fitzpatrick 2 and they're lighter, but they've been using self-tanner now for a week every single night and baking in it and not showering, and now they're a 4, you have to treat them as a 4 because these lasers are not smart enough to say, oh, that's self-tanner. They're treating the pigment that the laser sees. 
Thanks again for tuning in for another episode of Beauty in the Brain. I hope this uh, episode was informational for you guys. If you want more information about the treatments that we offer for our, all of our patients, Fitzpatrick's one through six, go check us out at skinandtonic.pro or come in for a consultation with one of our providers. See you soon. Thanks, guys. Thank you.